Miamians and listeners from around the world, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net. We are back with our monthly deep dive with the EACC. These in-depth conversations help us take a closer look at specific topics to increase our knowledge of global issues. For today's topic, the European American Chamber of Commerce brings to us an expert on data protection from their vast network. Do you know how intricate data protection is? Is the US and the EU dealing with data protection in the same way? These are some questions we will be looking at in today's conversation. The EACC Executive Director, Christina Slisinska, will join us to introduce our guest and set the tone for the conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to a newsletter information in the show notes. Welcome to Miami Global Net Podcast, where we showcase the people and organizations that support Miami's international landscape. Learn from local business owners, startups, diplomats, and community leaders. Get to know the tools and services that are out there that help you invest and grow in South Florida. Miami is a true global city where one can live and do business with a global reach. David, Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Thank Alejandra. you. Awesome. I'm excited about today's topic, data protection. So I'm going to hand it over to Christina from the European American Chamber of Commerce for some introductions. Thank you, Alejandro. Hi, my name is Christina Slizinska. I'm the executive director of the EACC Florida, and we're the Florida chapter of the European American Chamber of Commerce, a platform where Americans and Europeans connect to do business. We provide resources, education, updates on regulatory and legal developments of relevance to the transatlantic business community. We organize events on issues of interest to our constituency, and we offer unique connections and networking opportunities including in person, little by little. We are extremely happy to partner with Miami Global Net on a podcast series of deep dives, where we focus on big picture issues and how they affect transatlantic business activities. This deep dive will be on data protection and legislation such as the European GDPR, the California and CCPA, what similarities and differences there are between the US and Europe when it comes to data protection, and what the key issues are right now for companies and businesses in the US, here in Florida, and also we'll talk a little bit about Latin America. So for this deep dive on data protection, we're very happy to have with us David Zetouni, who has been named a cybersecurity and data privacy trailblazer and one of the top legal influencers in the area of technology, media, and telecommunications in the US, the EU, and in the context of cross-border transfers of information. So that's a pretty impressive. David is co-chair of the U.S. Data Privacy and Cybersecurity Practice at Greenberg Traurig, which is a global law firm which was founded right here in Miami in 1967, and it has offices around the world. David actually sits in the Denver office. And also, Greenberg Traurig is a founding member of EACC Florida. So now, without further ado, Alejandro Cervalli, our host, the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you. David, how is Denver right now? Oh, it's, it's great. It's summertime, so there's no snow on the ground. It's just only been that way for a couple of weeks. Nice, nice. Here, it's getting, uh, here in Miami, uh, it's getting hot. We're hitting the 86, 87 these past few days, so it's, it's getting humid. But, you know, it's what it is. But we love it. We love it. So, David, give us a little bit of your background before we start talking about data protection. Where are you originally from? 
Uh, so I'm originally from Nevada, but I've traveled all over the U.S. So I've worked in as a lawyer in uh, Washington, D.C., in Arizona for some time, uh, back to Washington, D.C., and then most recently for the past five or six years out in Colorado. So my practice really spans the country, and a lot of my practice, as Christina said, deals with cross-border transfers of information. So Europe, the United States, um, and the rest of the world. What is data protection for those that don't know? Oh, it's a good question. You could ask um, 10 data privacy or data security attorneys and get 10 different answers. <laughs> I'll tell you, it depends on which jurisdiction. You know, in the United States, when we think of data protection, we usually think about data breach and securing data and you know, keeping it safe. In the European Union, it's a little bit broader. So they think of privacy issues and security issues. So privacy being like what a company collects, what they're going to do with it, who they're going to give it to or not give it to, how they're going to use it. And they think of security issues as all kind of falling under the same rubric of data protection. In the United States, we kind of divide those two. And so we have data privacy and we have data security, which are related cousins, um, but kind of distinct in terms of what they require and, and the things businesses have to think about. So you, you're, you said that, that Europe is more on the usage of the data. That's exactly right, Alejandro. So historically, they have had more of a focus on like what companies can collect and how they can use it. The United States, we've had more of a focus on companies having to secure the information after they get it. So companies historically in the US, it's been very free market. Collect what you're gonna collect and tell people where you're gonna collect, but you can do almost anything you want with it. Um, and for us, historically, it's been about once you get it, make sure nobody else hacks it and make sure nobody else takes it. That's changing somewhat in the United States. We're kind of going more European. And in some ways, the Europeans are becoming more American in terms of thinking more about security as opposed to privacy. Historically, is that the case because a lot of, I guess, more of the hacking or the stealing of data has happened here in the States? No, not necessarily. So there are some statistics which suggest that, but they're kind of flawed. So sometimes the Europeans, they used to point to the United States and say, you guys have so many data security breaches. You know, the, the real cause of that, the reason behind it is that we had to report our data breaches historically. So the last 10 years, we've had laws for companies that they've been breached, certain types of breaches, they have to report it. So it always looked like we had more in the United States. They didn't have those laws in Europe. So no company had to report when they were getting hacked into. They just got a broad data breach law uh, in 2018. So for the past three years, <clears throat> it looks like breaches are just skyrocketing in Europe. And it, in fact, that's not what's happening. What's happening is they were always happening. Um, people just weren't reporting it. But there is that, you know, I think historically why this difference, you know, in the United States, we just are so much more free market oriented historically about what companies can do with things that they collect. And in Europe, there's a bit of a history, you know, it goes back to World War II and the Holocaust about governments and companies tracking individuals and that privacy issue about like, should you know what people's religion is? Should you know where they are? Should you know what their health issues are? I think that's always in the back of the European consciousness in a way that in the United States, we don't have those same scars and you know, we don't have those same issues that came out of World War II. And I think you can really track out of privacy issues in Europe that far back to kind of the, the 40s and the 50s coming out of World War II. So now it kind of it kind of makes sense. It does. So de data protection. Uh, how does it? What? How is that important for businesses? Why is it important for businesses? Oh, so many reasons. Where to start? So, um, you know, you start in the United States with trust. You know, as consumers care more about data privacy and care more about what businesses are doing with their information. If that business violates that trust or consumers perceive that a business is doing something on the privacy side that they shouldn't be or doing something that the consumer just doesn't even feel good about, that can really backfire. And we've seen dozens of examples of where companies you know, were doing X, 
And people rejected it as not consistent with what they expected. That's on that privacy side. On the security side, it's kind of the same deal with breaches. You know, if a company is hacked into, um, it really impacts their brand. It impacts how much people trust them going forward to hand over their information. So, you know, that's, I think, in the United States, why businesses really have honed in on this. It's because consumers more and more care about their information being hacked or care about what their information is being used for. Can you give us an example of a company that did something that backfired on them? Yeah, you know, there's, I hate to name companies because we've represented a lot. It, it, could be, it could be a case study without naming the... No, so I'll give you a, a case study that I think everybody can recognize without pointing to a name. And this is on the security side when it comes to data security. You know, if you go back about 10 years, you get two or three very large department stores in this country, which were hacked at the same time and responded to those hacks very differently. Um, and, and even today, when you talk about data breach, you know, one or two of these companies will always come to mind. But, you know, it really shows just the different approaches. You know, one company came out and they said that the number of people impacted was this large. It ended up being that large, right? Another company came out and said, no, you know, look, look, we're not going to come out with a number of how many people until we have definitive evidence. It ended up being a lot smaller than everybody thought. You know, one company offered everybody coupons to come back to the store. I think that backfired. You know, nobody wants to hear that their credit card's been taken. You have a $10 off coupon. Other companies stayed away from that. And they said, no, this is too important to be, you know, doing a sales promotion or something that might be perceived. You know, there's a lot of those kind of case studies where you see how businesses are trying to interact with people to really understand like what people care about and, and what people want of the business. And you can almost look at anything, whether you look at your iPhone, your computer, your software, department stores, retailers, every company is kind of struggling with these issues about what they collect and what they should be collecting, what they should be tracking and how they should be using it. So talking about the differences, I know you mentioned a couple of differences between um, Europe and the US, the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation in Europe. Big deal. Can you, can you tell us about <laughs> it? it? It seems to be a buzzword. If you're looking for seismic shifts in the world of data privacy and data security, that's your seismic shift. That's the uh, you know number 10 on the Richter scale. So Europe has had data privacy laws. Like I said, it goes back almost to the 1940s, 1950s. They had a big data privacy law in the last 20 years that was in place. And then it upgraded. You know, they really kind of passed the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, as a way of kind of moving it forward. And it went into effect in 2018. Um, a lot of it wasn't brand new. A lot of it borrowed from laws that were already into effect, but the penalties were enormous. So what was happening is over the last 20, 25 years, there were a lot of laws on data privacy in Europe, but they didn't have that much penalty. There were a lot of warning letters that go out. GDPR comes along and it says companies may have to pay up to 4% of their gross revenue per year. That's which can be enormous. I mean, you take a company with you know $10 billion in revenue and you look at 4% of their gross revenue and you're looking at a fine that would dwarf um, everything that came before it. So that's been the seismic shift. It's this, this regulation, it applies all across Europe. It did raise the bar on privacy protections, but what it really did was put a lot of um, power behind these enforcements. And so that companies were, were really quite frightened in terms of trying to comply with these laws. I know that a lot of this social media marketing and all this kind of, it's about retargeting, it's collating data, how yeah. to use it, who's collecting it. You know, so I'm, I'm assuming that GDPR, for example, a lot of people like maybe Facebook, Google, you know, they're all very, um, worried or 
in the mix, in the conversations, actually, that's a good question. Where do these, where do they fall in, in these back and forth with regulators? So I, I think any multinational company, I mean, any company is doing business on both sides of the border. GDPR is known to the board. GDPR is known to the C-suite. Um, this concept of like, what are we doing with data? Particularly when you start talking about tech companies, any of them, not to pick on any one particular company, but all the tech companies, they thrive on data. You know, data is their lifeblood. And so when you have a business where data is your lifeblood and you have a regulation, which is about really regulating, you know, how you collect it, when you collect it, who you collect it from, what you can do with it, who you can send it to, that regulation becomes front and center to a lot of the business strategies. So if you can look at some of the largest enforcement actions right now in Europe, you know, the ones that are in the multi-million or the ones that have percolated up to the highest courts, it's all the companies that you just named. <laughs> They're involved in it. They, they are um, creating the law at the same time that they are creating products. You know, they're, they're pushing the envelope and, and trying to understand how these laws can be reduced down into things that can actually apply to products. And in, in the U.S., we have something similar, the CCPA? We're starting to. Yeah, so that's, um, you're right on target, Alejandro. So in the United States, historically, we were very focused on data security and data breaches. And then we have our own shift that comes after GDPR, and it's the CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act. So right after the GDPR goes into force, California passes the CCPA, and it's this effort by California to try to do something like Europe. And so they enact pieces of kind of the European uh, GDPR, it applies just to California businesses or, or businesses, companies doing business in California, which happens to be a lot of businesses in the United States. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's the first time you see a state that really tries to do like a comprehensive data privacy law that is influenced by Europe. And since then, we now have Virginia, which passed a, a, one of their own laws this year. And then my own state of Colorado, which um, recently enacted their own law this year on data privacy. So we've got three states in the United States which are following that European trend of a comprehensive data privacy law. So just Virginia and Colorado and California are the ones with laws like this. That's right. Florida was that close. So everybody thought Florida was going to be the second law even before Virginia. Um, It got pretty far and it died right at the end. And so right now we've got three states. It's California, Virginia, and Colorado. And what about countries in Latin America? Are they doing anything for data protection in, at this scale? Yeah, some of them are and some of them aren't. Um, we got some countries in South America, like Brazil, which is really aligned towards Europe. Uh, they've passed their own regulation, which is probably the closest in the world to that European structure. And then you have some other countries, which are, are more lax. I and mean, they're either, they've passed some legislation, but maybe they're not enforcing it. Um, or they haven't passed legislation and they're closer to the United States. They're closer to kind of more of a free market approach. Um, but I think the country that everybody's watching in South America is Brazil. So the tech industry seems to be booming in Latin America, right? So what are they doing now for data protection? It's all across the board. You know, some of the tech industry have kind of looked at Europe and treat them very differently than the United States. Um, there's companies which are not going into Europe because of those differences in laws. There's other companies, you know, a lot of the tech industry is located in California. So there's a lot of those tech companies which have, have really had to adapt their business model to the CCPA um, or have business models that may be inconsistent with the CCPA and they're running some risks right now in terms of trying to see, is it gonna get enforced or how's it gonna get interpreted? What are courts gonna do? You know, what I'd say is most of those tech companies 
are, are heavily invested in understanding data privacy at this point. Uh, a lot of them have in-house attorneys who are doing this full-time. Some of them have entire staff of in-house attorneys doing this full-time. And other ones that don't have the in-house capacity, they're just really aware of it. I mean, they're, they're talking to their outside counsel on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis, trying to really figure out those contours. And one of the big changes is they're having to design it into the product. You know, companies that are coming up with new ideas, new startups, you know, before data privacy was like an afterthought, if you go back three or four years, they come out with a product and they figure it out afterwards for data privacy. A lot of these companies now, I mean, data privacy is on the drawing board. If they can't figure out how data privacy plays into the product design, um, they may not have a viable product at the end of the day. And so it's really kind of pushed its way forward to investors, to founders, to, you know, executive team, and then the legal team and the privacy team, the security team, it's kind of infiltrated the entire ecosystem. That sounds like, I mean, with new industries, in this case, tech, data protection has been around for a while, as you mentioned, and in new fields, as new ideas and projects and businesses come up, it's like you said, it's like they're, they're out there and then, oh, we need to regulate, right? Or, or we don't know what's going to happen, you know, stuff like that. Well, even tougher, because two of the laws, you know, Virginia's law and Colorado's law, they don't go into effect until 2023 and 2024. So you got some companies which are coming up with ideas or designs or startups and it works today, but it probably isn't going to work in a year or two. And so you got, it's, it's a hard task for a founder of a new company, new startup, come up with a product that complies with law and you have to anticipate laws that aren't even on being enforced yet, but are likely to be enforced in a year, two years or three years and build that into a product design all before you've made a single dollar. Um, it's, it's complicated. I mean, it really is kind of a juggling act when you're trying to innovate. So David, what are some of the big issues that we're seeing now when it comes to the data transfer and between Europe and the United States? Yeah, so there's, there's one really huge issue. Um, last year, the European Court of Justice, which is like the equivalent of the European Supreme Court, they came out with a decision and they said European companies can't send data back mm -hmm. to the United States or to other countries that are not European, unless those countries have laws that are similar to Europe in terms of data privacy. And that really threw a monkey wrench in cross-border transfers of information. Think multinational companies who are sending data all the time, you know, left and right from Europe to the United States, United States to Asia, Asia back to Europe and, and across, you know, every which way. Um, and so companies have really been struggling with that, of how to follow that decision and you know, the contours of it are interesting. I don't wanna to get too much into kind of the legal weeds, um, but what they're really concerned about and the real focus of it is Europe has a distrust of governments getting access to information. And again, you could say this goes back to World War II if you wanted to, of governments getting information about Europeans. And so what the European Court of Justice really pointed to is they said, look, the United States government has too much power to ask companies to give information about Europeans. And so we are concerned that if a company, doesn't matter which multinational you're talking about, sends data from Europe to the United States to host it or to process it or to give it to a partner, give it to their own subsidiary. You know, is that company in the United States gonna be subject to a law enforcement request from the US government? And so a lot of what companies are wrestling with now is how do you balance this? Like how do you balance the idea that they have to send data back and forth in order to operate? But once it comes to the United States, they're subject to U.S. laws. And once you're subject to U.S. laws, you know, if the, if the government comes knocking at your door and says, hey, we need you to give us this data or that data, and this is the crux of the issue, what are you going to do 
when they do knock on your door and they do say, produce this file, produce that file, give us information about all these Europeans, how are you going to respond to it? And that's what companies are really flushing out right now is trying to figure out what their process is going to be to respond to it. So they're both respecting European privacy rights, but they're also not thumbing their nose at the U.S. government when the U.S. government makes a request. Does the U.S. government specifically say why this data is being requested or they just say, hey, David, we need Alejandro's European Facebook page information. Yeah, well, and look, that's one of the interesting parts about the international data privacy laws. You know, Europeans look at this and they say, well, we're concerned about requesting the US government. Americans look at this and they say, well, which US government? Are you talking about Florida, Colorado, federal uh, government, FBI, NSA? Are you talking about the Department of Energy? Are you talking about, I mean, when you get down to it in US law and US government is so complex. You know, we've got search warrants, we've got subpoenas, we've got grand jury subpoenas, we've got national security letters, we've got all kinds of ways that the US government can ask for information. And how you respond to the US government and how much information they give you when they're making those requests really differs. So mm. if you get a request from the Federal Trade Commission or you get a request from the FBI or you get a request from the Federal Reserve, those requests don't necessarily look the same. They're not based on the same statutory authority. It's that like those contours, those levels of detail, which are really hard for some European data privacy lawyers to understand. You know, it's easier to think about this as like this monolithic United States government making a request, a lot harder to get into the weeds and say, well, you know, what are the different requests that could be made? And to accept the fact that there's so many ways that requests get made in any country, you can't list them all out. You know, you can't just say, you know, here's the 10 types of requests a company could get. Um, so it's complex. I mean, there's a really complex area of law that is causing a lot of companies to really have to spend a lot of time thinking about how to do cross-border transfers. Okay. In, in my mind, the entire time we're talking about transfers, I was thinking I have an office in Europe and an office here in Miami. And in order for me to transfer data, personal data that is protected, these rules apply, right? And we're talking about handing off to the government information. So is it for both cases? If I want to transfer protected data to my servers here, I, that these laws apply. And if I want to hand them over to the United States government, rules apply. Does it make sense? I think so. Absolutely. For a company that's got offices in Europe and the United States, and they're going to send data from like one server to another, these issues, they're hitting them every day. But it's also hitting companies that, like, let's say you have a European company that wants to send data to a service provider in the United States, different companies, same issues are going to hit them, right? Or you've got a company that wants to um, send data to a, a joint partner, so they're going to create a joint venture, same issues apply. Anytime that data comes from Europe to the United States, and once it's in the United States, it may or may not be subject to access by the U.S. government. That's when the Europeans have been expressing concern. Now, what, what doesn't happen is in reverse, and this is one of those areas where the laws are different. Um, the United States doesn't have laws that says you can't send data out just because we're afraid that Germany might spy on it or Spain might spy on it or England might spy on it. That concept is foreign to us. So no company is prohibited from sending personal information about Americans to their subsidiary in Berlin or Hamburg. In reverse, they might be. So in reverse, you have a company that has an office, let's say in Hamburg and you have an office in Miami. You're gonna send data from Hamburg to Miami. 
Now you may have these concerns under European privacy law that you at least have to navigate of, can we send it? Is it prohibited from sending? What kind of protections do we have to make sure that European law is gonna get enforced? Data goes in the other direction from Miami back to Hamburg. There's no US laws that say, hey, we have to examine Europe or we have to examine any other country and make sure that their laws are the same as our laws. So it's not equivalent, it's not reciprocal in that way. Okay. And what about, is there a difference between sending and access to data? Not really. Yeah. So from a European perspective, if it's being viewed on a screen in the United States, mm. so you're accessing it, but you're not really going to store it, you're not going to do anything. They still count that as transferring, as transmitting, just like they'd count it as if you downloaded it or if you put it into a UPS package and sent it you know, from Europe to the United States. To them, all those these activities are really equivalent. You know, the data crossed international waters, it came to the United States, and now it is, even if it's only for a split second, it's present in the United States. And their concern again is that like once it's here, maybe the US government's fine on it. Okay. Awesome. Well, I know that we're running out of time, so I have one more question for you. Um, there is, of course, there's the creation of loss, there's there's the usage, and then there's always that portion that even in even in local government, you now we create the laws because there's a need, but then there's a monitoring aspect of it. Is somebody who's looking, how, who's monitoring, how do we know if someone transferred data without properly doing things? Oh yeah, in that question, I mean, it's a fantastic question and it's not just about the cross-border transfer, it's about all these new laws, these new state laws in the United States that people are considering. Um, but what it really comes down to is how are they gonna get enforced? And that's probably, if you look for the one area that's been debated the most, when you start talking about state governments or the federal government or local city governments thinking about doing data privacy laws, that one issue is who's going to enforce it. And on one hand, you could have private individuals who get a sue, which isn't perfect. You know, what you end up from there is a, a plaintiff's bar that ends up making a lot of money looking for technical violations. Give it to an attorney general or a district attorney and say, hey, the government gets to monitor this. Um, but some of those district attorneys and attorney generals don't have a lot of um, staff. They may not have a lot of interest in this area, or they may not have the budget to do it. Or you can do what California is trying to do and set up an entirely new agency. So they've created a California Privacy Protection Agency, uh, which is just got their first meeting, I think it was a week ago. Um, there's no perfect solution to it. You know, there really isn't. You could talk about pros and cons with all of it. And then even in Europe, you know, we have one European regulation now that GDPR, but you've got 28 member states, individual countries that each have different budgets, different enforcers, different ways of monitoring for enforcement. And they're all approaching it slightly differently. So you, you see different activities in Ireland than you do in Germany, in Spain, and in France, and so forth. Awesome. David, this has been great. Christina, handing it off to you. Yes, David, this was extremely interesting. I've heard many data protection lawyers explaining uh, data protection. And I mean, I've, I've heard very few who put it so clearly and who really explain the ins and outs and put those weeds into something comprehensible by the majority of us. So many thanks, Alejandro, for, for inviting us, the ACC Florida, to, to partner with Miami Global Net on this deep dive on data protection. And many thanks to you, David, David Zetouni from Greenberg Traurig for sharing your expertise and insights on data protection with our listeners. Uh, our next deep dive will be on immigration. You can, of course, find further details about our experts, Miami Global Net and EACC Florida in the podcast notes. 
And also check our, web, our website for upcoming programs and information on how to join and how to subscribe to Miami Global Net to find out more about Miami's international community.